We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here as always with Jason Pat. Jason, have you been enjoying the playoffs so far? Uh, I have been. Uh, I was sick last week. We we if you missed us, we were we did not record last week because I was feeling like shit. I wouldn't been able to talk. I've been hacking up a storm. It was pretty awful. But I have been enjoying the playoffs. I guess the first round, classic kind of not the best first round. There were some exciting games, some exciting upsets to start. But now I think most people are looking forward to the second round. The Eastern Conference second round should be great. The Sixers and Raptors, Bucks and Celtics, and now the Rockets just advanced. Warriors will probably advance here tonight as well. And then, the, obviously, Dame Lillard going absolutely apeshit. ton of fun to watch them beat uh, go at Russ and the Thunder. Really fun series. And then Nuggets Spurs has also been a pretty fun series. Uh, it has been nice to watch, I guess, just good basketball as opposed to Bulls basketball. Obviously, the Bulls season ended several weeks ago after their 60-loss season, a terrible season. So it's been fun. It's been fun to watch uh, a little quality basketball for a little bit here. <clears throat> Yeah, totally. I was watching a bit of the playoffs and seeing Kevin Durant just hit like these turnaround fadeaways that are nothing but net straight cash every time. I'm like, this is like seeing an actual magic trick after spending the last three months exclusively watching college basketball. Uh, but we're in kind of the, the start of the Bulls offseason right now. The The lottery is still about three weeks away. We'll have the draft, we'll have free agency at the beginning of the July. But I thought that this would be a good opportunity to bring on one of my favorite follows, uh, among Bulls analysts on Twitter, uh, among Bulls writers. That's Kevin Farrigan, who you can follow at NBA Couchside. Kevin, what's going on, dude? You're actually moving to Chicago pretty soon. Uh, I am. I will be You're out there. You're rooming with a- Jim Boylan. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, that is not the case. Uh, living on my own, actually, for uh, I realized this recently, the the first time ever. I've always had a roommate of some kind or been living at home with family or whatever. So uh, 33 years old uh, when I finally get out there and uh, yeah, finally living on my own. I'm, I'm all grown up. <laughs> we're, we're proud of you, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. 
let's just start off with just some big picture bowl stuff right now because at this juncture in the playoffs, you know, we're we're seeing Philly make it to the second round. Uh, it's sort of like the last remaining pieces of the process in a lot of ways. Like they sort of sold out on the process to sort of expedite the process by getting Jimmy Butler, by getting Tobias Harris. Uh, are the Bulls at where Philly was at a few years ago? What are sort of, uh, you know, the ways that these two rebuilds can be compared and contrasted? And more than anything, Kevin, just where do you see the Bulls at right now in the NBA's general landscape? Uh, I would say hell no. They're not in the same <laughs> position as the the Sixers were. Um in terms of where they were at in, in the second, I guess this is year two of the the um, tank that they don't want to call a tank. That is totally a tank. Um, yeah, I don't. They haven't done the same things that the Sixers did. The the whole thing with the process, and I think this gets lost a lot, um, is that what Hinky did with the process was it was basically an acknowledgement that most of the, the drafting of players is a crapshoot. And so you have to just get as many bites at the apple as possible. Um, and that's why he got so many second round picks and would just take flyers on guys. It's why they uh, were so aggressive about pursuing first round picks um, and just trying to tank for as long as possible until they felt like they had their, you know, cornerstone franchise changers. Um, the Bulls haven't really done that. They haven't stacked assets um, in any significant way. And they, you know, they've gotten some good pieces, but they've mostly just kind of tripped over things and fallen into this stuff. Um, you know, I, I think they, in both cases with, Wendell Carter and with Lowry Markkinen, I think they were kind of consensus best players available when they were drafted. And, um, you know, they, that was who they took. Uh, I just don't think that, you know, that they've done this anywhere near what the process was in terms of asset accumulation. You know, I think the closest thing that they've done that was processy lately was the maybe the the trade for Wayne Selden and in the second round picks that they got from uh the um the Grizzlies but you know overall they have not done the same job of stacking assets and uh you know the Jimmy Butler trade if you think that Sam Hinkie would have settled for getting Zach Levine, Chris Dunn and and, and also given up a, the number 16 pick in the Jimmy Butler trade uh, you know, you're crazy. Like that would not have happened with Hinky. So I guess just like with what they do have, and you talk about like tanking, I th- they, you talk about the tank that's not a tank. Like they, they clearly wanted a tank for like one year. They did not anticipate this year being a tank and it's, they're probably gonna end up with a better pick this year than they did last year. And I, I do kind of agree with you with like the Lowry pick and the Wendell pick. Like the, I feel like the Wendell pick was lauded as like the safe pick there at seven and Lowry uh, also kind of, he was the kind of guy that was there. What do you make? Like, what do you think of about the like Lowry and Wendell, like that front court together? What do you think of Zach Levine? Like, do you think any of these guys that they have are like legitimate pieces of like the next Bulls contender? I guess is what's your outlook on these guys that they have collected here for for right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I 
I liked some of the stuff I saw from Lowry in February, like everybody else. Um, I think that it's very would be very easy to get caught up in a 10-game sample a little bit too much. Um, if you look at his overall numbers for the whole year, he looked you know, basically the same as he did last year. Um, I think he was better uh, for the most part, but I think it's a little concerning that he's been hurt now in both yeah, of his, sure. uh, you know, and missed missed time in both of his first years. Um, and he this year he missed time at the the front and the back of the season. Um, you know, maybe it's just freak stuff and it won't be a problem for him going forward. But you know, it, it also hurts your development with him uh, to to have him lose time when he's this young. Um, and I think that uh, I don't think I don't trust uh, Jim Boylan to give a consistent environment um, to develop Lowry. Like they let they let him sort of run uh, some point forward, point center stuff uh, during February, and that was when he saw the most success. But it didn't really seem like that. There was a, a consistent offensive philosophy throughout the time that Jim Boylan was coach. They got out and ran after the first few months of slowing it way down, and then towards the end, it seemed like they slowed things back down again. Um, some of that was maybe the injuries that they had towards the uh, end of the year. Um in the injuries that they had kind of at the start of Boylan's tenure, but I don't know. I, I'm not a big Boylan guy. Um, I, yeah. Well, what do you, what do you make of them? Like with this, like they're clearly very committed to him and like Paxton puts on this, put on a huge show at his end of season press conference with like, we love what Jim does. Like he, we love him as like a teacher and we think he, he brings the fire and the passion and all that stuff. Like, so I feel like there's just like, a, there's obviously like a huge disconnect between like what, like management and the front office thinks of Boylan and like I guess the players kind of came around with him but then like what the fan base and like from the outside like I feel like every from like the outside of the Bulls and they like love to talk about that like in our building like we really like what Jim does but from like the fan perspective from like the national media perspective even like other players in the league like we saw that poll with the athletic about how like how Boylan was like second like second for like the coach you'd least want to play for obviously there was all the goofy stuff with like near mutiny We've seen all like the goofy ass quotes and all that nonsense. So it's like they, they they clearly think he's great, but I feel like but fans and everybody else thinks that he's just a big buffoon. Like I'm assuming, do you do you go towards more of the buffoon and like why is this guy still coach or or what? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm uh, as aggressive on the the take that Ricky has has held, um, <laughs> and I think we've lost Ricky for the podcast. So, uh, heads up to the audience. But I did notice that. Yeah, Ricky was having some uh, some technical difficulties. The old internet, you know that all that all that horrible stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna take from here. He got he got the intro in. Got a good <laughs> intro. So he, he did he did his part. We'll take from here. Yeah. But uh, back back to back to Jimbo Boylan. Carry on. Yeah. So uh, I'm. I don't think I'm quite as aggressive on like he he should, for sure, uh, have been f- fired. But I I don't understand extending him. Um. I I think that you know he I th- I do think he improved over the course of the year for the most part. But um. Or at least I thought I was seeing improvement. Uh. Until you know the the last month or so of the year where they went, you know, kind of back to being complete 
uh, crap as a team. Um, and you know, maybe that was just shoring up their, their tanking or whatever, but I mean, some of that was roster. I mean, they were yeah. playing complete trip. I mean, there was playing like G league guys and obviously they were holding out guys. So, like, I mean, it's just kind of hard to like, I mean, they did have the good February and then, but then even they did start kind of going backwards as well, even before they were starting at hurt. I, it just, the, the, especially that part of the season, I feel like it's, it's going to be so hard to figure out like what's what, because it's just, like across the league, like there's so many, like a lot of times I feel like there's weird outcomes with teams either just like playing out the string, teams wrestling guys or getting ready for the playoffs. I feel like it's, it's just such a weird, because they're obviously going to hang their head on what they did in February and how they played. But like I, I, I'm just curious how much that actually like matters and how how sustainable it is moving forward. I, I honestly don't know. Like it's hard. Like I want to be optimistic about it, but we've we've talked about it in the pod before. It's like how much can we, how much stock can we actually put in and boil in on that stretch, the team in that stretch? Because like that was like during that stretch, they were getting like career like best play from from Lowry, from Zach, from Otto, from Robin Lopez, and like it was crazy. So like I just don't know how how much of that is sustainable from the players and from the coach. Yeah, I mean th- that's the thing too. Is I, I, I don't know. Like I'm, you know, generally try to evaluate things uh, using as large of a sample as I as I can, just yeah. because it's easy to get fooled by, you know, short st- stints. Um, but it's tougher with a young team because sometimes those flashes or whatever can be indicative of sort of what could be. Um, I, I think that to that there's something to that uh, to a certain extent, but I think that most fans uh, do get caught up too much in the um, believing the the best case scenario when they do oh, see yeah. those flashes. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, definitely tend towards the more pessimistic. Um, I think getting back to, I think the very, the original conversation, uh, question that you asked in terms of how we got down this path was like who who on the team do i really believe in or or think it could be a a cornerstone it's like i I think lowry definitely has a lot of talent i'd like to see him actually start shooting um at the level that i i think that his shooting stroke and you know his college numbers and international numbers suggested the kind of shooter that he was um I, i don't you know, I don't really think we've totally seen that in terms we of... We definitely haven't. He's been like 36%, I think, both years around there. And I feel like you'd think he'd be high 30s, close to 40, like you would hope at this point, or I guess just in general. So I think you're definitely, that's definitely a good point. Yeah. And I, I did like seeing him handle the ball a bit more. I, I, I want to see more of that just because I think that it is a... a the fact that his ball handling skills at his size are very, very rare. Um, and especially when he gets out in, in the transition game, you know, I think that there, there's not many guys in the league that can really handle the ball at that size and make good decisions with it. And I think that, you know, to really unlock his full potential, he's got to be a playmaker for others. And that, you know, after his first year, um, that was really my biggest concern with him is, you know, I think he'll get to passable on defense um and and get to a point where i don't know that he'll ever be a plus defender but like i I think he'll be the kind of guy that uh teams won't be able to just search out and abuse um which i think is you know that's for sure for a player like him that is uh gonna provide a lot of value on offense you know if he reaches his ceiling you want to see him get to a point where 
he he can't be punished in a playoff series, basically. And I I, I believe in his his ability to get there, but I think for, in terms of actually having like superstar level impact versus just being a role player who who shoots threes, you know, making him a playmaker and and having him use the threat of his scoring to uh, free up you know his less talented teammates. Um, that is something that I didn't really see his his rookie year, and for large parts of this year, you didn't really see it. But that February run where he and the rest of the team uh, looked really great—that was what he was doing. Um, I think that that's really the key to his development: is can he become a you know a guy that creates opportunities for others and creates high quality looks for others. Um, and I think he has the talent to do it. It's just a matter of, you know, whether that gets cultivated in Chicago and uh, with the coaching staff and uh, whether he's afforded that opportunity. Um, for, as far as the the other two, I think, guys that I, I view it, like, I think are kind of consensus guys that are viewed as part of the core um, I'm very, I'm still very high on Wendell Carter. Very disappointed in how he was uh, utilized this year. Um, I think he's a, a face-up shooter. Uh, I think he's, you know, every, everybody compares him to Al Horford, and um, I think that's a, a pretty apt comparison. And I, I think that the way that they tried to, uh, that Boylan wanted him to, you know, run post-ups and stay yeah, near the basket brutal. and get paint points, is just completely asinine. Um, <laughs> which is one of the reasons I didn't have a lot of confidence in Boylan to develop these guys is like Wendell should be, uh, you know, the Bulls could be playing essentially five out basketball with Wendell uh, Lowry and, um, you know, spacing the floor and having their guards getting into getting into the paint and not having a, a crowded paint at all. Um, but they just haven't done that. Uh, and, you know, the, I, I there's a certain part of the paint points thing that I I understand and get because you don't really get high quality three point looks unless you're getting paint touches unless you're getting the ball downhill into the paint but that's not the how Boylan was doing it he was you know slowing it up throwing these little uh, throwing the ball into the post and telling guys to back down and it's like if you're viewing paint paint points as a metric of success um, without contextualizing what that metric is telling you about how your offense is functioning, it's, you can, you can do some dumb things. And, um, you know, Jim Boylan knows more about basketball than, than I do. Uh, But I think both of us and everyone else combined for sure. Like we, we do like to rip on Boylan a lot here, but obviously he like is, it's like a smart basketball mind. Like, I don't know if you read like the athletic interviews that he did. Yeah. with Darnell, like, and there's obviously like a lot of good stuff in there, but it's just like, but then, but then he, some of those philosophies when you like you talk about, he really hammers home the paint stuff. Like, to seems like to the detriment occasionally of like the three point shooting. I feel like he does downplay three point shooting, he, but he also did talk about like they don't want like taking too many mid range shots. Like, but, so that's also good as well. But just like I feel like definitely like the slow down post up stuff is that is stuff that they don't we. Like to avoid stuff like with Zach Levine driving. I know there was. A, I think Darnell also did like a Zach Levine article about like his shot selection, how they don't want him taking like the bad long twos that he sometimes he takes, and like he he's a guy who should be getting to the rim and chucking threes. Like there's like there's some like right philosophy. Here. It's just a matter of them like actually like honing in on it and making sure making sure that they do it because like with the roster they have. I mean with with Lowry with Zach 
I mean, even with Wendell, I feel like he was kind of he wasn't really shooting like open threes like he should have been. Like they have the roster to shoot a bunch of threes. Like there's really no reason that they, especially if, when they get healthy, they should be shooting more. And like I, I hope that I hope that they do that moving forward because they have a team that can play fun and fast and shoot threes and do stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's part of me that wants that thinks that maybe I'm I'm rushing to to judgment a little too quickly in terms of. Uh, you know, maybe I'm being impatient on, yeah. on, you know, they're, they're not wanting Wendell to, they want Wendell to focus on one thing at a time and yeah. they wanted him to focus on his, his scoring in the paint first over his, um, o- over his shooting threes. But, uh, you know, he's almost an, he was almost an 80% foul shooter this year. Uh, he, you know, had the three point shot in his bag coming into the league. You know, I don't think he shot it a, a ton at Duke, but it was something in AAU ball and, you know, even in summer league that he flashed and you could see that, and you could just see on his form that he, he's a guy that can shoot the ball. And given the trends of the league, and I think given, um, you know, the fact that, Chris Dunn is not a great shooter uh, and they were getting, you know, until they got Otto Porter, they were getting relatively inconsistent shooting from the uh, small forward spot. Like I think that having your center shoot threes really would have made a lot of sense. And just even from its development standpoint, I think that they got him into his head a little bit because there were times, a lot of times um, after the first, uh, you know, a few, few games with Boylan where you could see that it was, it seemed pretty obvious that somebody had gotten in his ear and told him not to shoot threes. Um, and because he was passing up wide open ones and like things where it seemed like earlier in the year and even in summer league, uh, that he would have just let it fly. He wasn't doing that anymore. And that was disappointing to me, but I'm still very high on his upside. I think he's, you know, got special defensive instincts. I think he's a really smart player. Um, you know, I I just they got to utilize him right uh, to to maximize what he can be, um, and then for f- lastly, I guess just to touch on Zach real quick, we've talked about him a little bit. I really liked some of the stuff I saw from Zach this year. Um, I I like that he you know Zach Levine. One thing I will I will credit him for is. Um, with the exception of last year, and I, I would toss that out because he was coming back from that ACL injury. He's, he's gotten, bad. yeah, he's gotten better though. With the exception of that year, he's gotten better basically every single year he's been in the league. I think he works extremely hard um, in the off season. Um, he's kind of like, uh, you know, people make a lot of jokes about Andrew Wiggins, about how he really hasn't improved and doesn't seem to care that much about it. Uh, I don't think that that's the case with Zach. Um, and, you know, I think he understands the things that he struggles with um, and, is, you know, works pretty hard at, at getting better at those things. Um, I still think he's a pretty atrocious defensive player, which I think does hurt. Um, you know, I think of the spots on the floor where you can maybe live with somebody being a bad defensive player, uh, shooting guard is probably one of the better ones. Um, but you know, in a playoff series, you still don't want to have somebody that can be attacked as easily as he can be, but he's still really young. Um, and I, like I said, I I think he does get better every year. 
similar to Lowry, I think the the biggest thing that I want to see from Zach is just him to continue to develop as a playmaker and eventually get to passable on on defense. You know, just basically get to be where he can't be so easily taken advantage of. Um, but he's uh, he made some real strides this year. I, I liked a lot. I, I did think that his shot selection was way better this year. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, he, I, I loved seeing him get downhill and get, uh, try to get to the basket a lot more consistently and not settle nearly as much as he had in the past. Um, and, uh, I, I think that if he continues to do that and then, uh, can start to make a little bit better reads, um, and just trust his teammates more, I think that he, he still has a, a chance to be, you know, he has the base level skills that you need to be a superstar player in the league. Um, he has some pretty significant flaws that could kneecap that. But I mean, being able to to drop you know twenty five points a night uh, on good efficiency is like that's that's the base for what you need to be a star player in the league. Yes, there are other things you need to to have to. Um, and that's why he got paid as much as he did. Yeah. Remind uh, me, what did were you f- pro neutral negative on that on the matching that offer sheet from the Kings? Um, I didn't like it at the time uh, because I was pretty down on, uh, because of the flaws that he has. I, yeah. I was pretty down, and, and I mean the the ACL injury was scary right, to me. Yeah. He was younger. He was terrible when he came back last year. He was awful. Like the shot selection was awful. Like obviously guys are going to come back and struggle from the ACL, but like he was really bad. Like like all around absolutely terrible so i yeah i i feel like i wasn't negative but i was kind of like eh. i feel like now though like what is he at 19 million a year like if he's into even if he like never gets that much better like defensively i feel like if you're putting up 24 25 a game uh efficiently i think his true shooting percent was like 57 58 like i feel like that's at least probably worth 19 million a year at this point with the cap going up right i don't know if that's crazy or what i feel like me and ricky i know both talked about how we were pleasantly surprised by zach it sounds like you kind of were as well uh, I'm, I'm kind of pro Zach at this point. I feel like he's tried to be a leader as well. You mentioned the work ethic. So like, I'm definitely down to give him, give him more, much more of a chance moving forward on this team. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that he's like, you know, um, I don't know that he's going to be like, like having him as your number one option. Yeah. I, I would is, agree with that. Is going to lead to great places. Yeah. Um, but I'm not like completely, gonna rule it out either like i said he's still he was in his age 23 season this year and i think it is notable that uh you know i think uh he's gotten better every year to a certain extent and um i i think that he can be a uh you know a plus player in the league um i i think that the there's there is still a chance that he could improve the defense enough to be to where all the stuff that he does give you offensively um, is valuable enough that you know he's he's maybe not completely a, a 19 million or 18 million dollar a year player but like that he's enough he, he's close enough that he's not um, you know, a millstone or anything like that. I mean, yeah, not an Andrew Wiggins who's making what, like 25, 26 million a year. And he's bad, legitimately bad. Like yeah. definitely not going to be that kind of contract. No, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that like, 
I don't know. The the Bulls seem like I think about those three guys and they all seem to fit pretty well together on paper. Um, but they still just seem so like uh, deprived of talent around those guys and that goes to like kind of like what i was talking about with the process is like they just it, it doesn't s- seem like they still even have that many assets to go fill out the rest of the roster um like not that they like have a lot of money committed really but um you know i don't know they they need to get a point guard um yeah. and they're are you are you so are you done with Krista? I'm pretty much done. I'm done with him as the starter. Like if he comes back next year, fine, I guess. But like I, I'm like I'm very down on Chris Dunn. Are you in this in a similar place? Do you think he's still got places he can go? Like I just I feel like I just don't see it with him. I think Chris Dunn is is probably a backup. Um, you know, I think that like the problem with Chris Dunn is that Chris Dunn needs the ball in his hands. Uh, to yeah. be successful because he's not an off-ball threat. And if Chris Dunn has the ball in his hands for most of your offensive possessions and is like your lead decision-maker, you're not going anyplace good. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I, I agree with you. <laughs> so like, if, he's, if he has the ball in his hands a lot against second units, maybe that's fine. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think even like just – when they're both healthy, like flip-flopping him and Archie and just putting uh, Archie Diacono in the starting lineup because like the starting lineup kind of has enough scoring between Lowry and, and Zach um, and even Otto Porter. Otto, now. Even Otto was like really, really good. I mean, he shot I don't, I, regression, obviously probably coming there, but like he was even doing more even like off the dribble stuff than I was expecting. He was obviously shooting great. So yeah. yeah. Like I think, you know, when Wendell gets back at the start of next year, I think he's already like, it's crazy to say this cause he was 19 year. He like just turned 20 years old. Uh, but, and he was 19 all year, but he, I think was already like a plus defensive player as a rookie, um, which just doesn't really happen very often. Um, even for big men, uh, or maybe even especially for big men. I mean, he's, he's de- definitely not where he's going to be at his peak, but he, I think he was already having a positive impact defensively. I think his offense his offense was pretty bad this year. Like I said, I think he was completely misutilized, but um, he just he was not very effective offensively. Uh, but I think like if if they use the pieces right, like you could have Archie Diakono, who is a, a knockdown shooter, um, and uh, at the one, then you have Zach at the two. Zach is an unbelievable shot maker, like very good pure shooter from outside. Um, Otto Porter is consistently one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Uh, you know, Lowry has, you know, at the very least gets guarded like an elite three-point shooter, even if his percentages haven't quite been there yet. Um, I think they will get there. I still believe in his shooting form. Um, and then, you know, I think that Wendell will be a, th- a three-point shooter at some point. Um, hopefully that's next year and hopefully they allow him to do that. But you could have like a five-out system that – could really, at the very least, with the starting unit, be pretty pretty effective and have a pretty good offensive rating, um, you know, even next year. Uh, but you know, the defense is still probably not going to yeah. be very good. Yeah. Um, and they're just, you know, they're very like they're the depth on the team is is. I mean, that's part of why. Like, 
Paxton kept complaining about you know the injuries, and th- he's done this two years now. But it's like part of the reason the injuries are so devastating is because your depth is the dog depth shit, is awful. dude. <laughs> like you, you can't have like injuries happen every year in the NBA. And yeah, the Bulls were more snake bit than most teams, but like you know you've got to have capable backups, and they just don't. Like yeah, man, you got you're rolling out like Big Chris and Blakeney and. When they, they were playing campaign earlier this year, like they, I mean, they believed in campaign for fucking crying out loud. He had one big game and yeah, and he basically disappeared in the ether. And like, I mean, Arch is like Arch has been definitely like a nice surprise. Like Shaq Harrison, I feel like decent surprise, but like I mean, these are still most like on good teams. Like probably like your third string, maybe second string if if you're lucky. I mean, yeah, you complain about like Denzel Valent. Like Denzel's fine, but like he's he's always hurt. Uh, like Hutchinson was obviously a rookie, but like he wasn't very good. Uh, yeah, they definitely. I mean, they, they're going to have some caps hits, so we can talk about that in a little bit here as we move forward towards draft talk and free agency. They have some cap space. They'll have draft picks. They got the, the second round pick from. I think I can't remember what the exact picks they have from getting those holidays, those holiday picks, and then I think their own second round pick. But uh, uh, before we do that, let me let me roll with this uh, this ad read here, and then we'll we'll start looking uh, looking forward at the, for the team, like I said, with draft free agency. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress, but getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. So just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. Getethos.com. Getethos.com. All right, so now I figured, like I said, we'll look forward a little bit. Look forward at the draft. Uh, Bulls, obviously, at the number four spot. That's the 12.5% chance at the number one pick. Uh, I'm not sure how much draft stuff you've you've uh, looked into this season yet. Obviously, Zion Williamson's the number one overall pick. I would assume that you are all. Are you all aboard the Zion as number one guy? Are you are you a contrarian on this at all? I know there was some rumblings about how like the Suns might like John Morant over Zion or stuff like that. What do you, what do you think about Zion and his fit on the Bulls if they got number one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I'm all aboard the Zion train. Um, I you know the idea that the Suns would. Uh, would prefer uh Morant over Zion would be extremely suns. Um, <laughs> it would. But uh I don't think they actually do. I just I think there was a rumbling where like there was some talk about how they might because they need a they've they've been looking for a point guard forever. So it's like, well I also saw, did you see the column that some dude in Phoenix wrote about how they shouldn't take Zion? I saw the headline and yeah. I just like, was dumbfounded that somebody that gets paid to write about sports could have a take so bad. But um, you know, legacy uh, publications, man, they're uh, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like if the Bulls did get Zion, obviously you said you're on the Zion train. How would you how would you operate there with the starting lineup? Like, would you go with like a jumbo lineup? Would you start by bringing him off the bench? Would you look to make a trade, maybe? What, what what would you be your strategy if the, if they were able to pick up Zion? Um, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know exactly what the what the best fit would be in terms of how to how to make all that stuff work. I just I'm a pretty firm believer in you know you just especially at this stage yeah. uh, you just take the best talent, talent. available um, and figure it out. You know I, I think that uh, that can sometimes you know be an issue like the Sixers drafted three center like centers three years in a row um during the process and you know that came to back to bite them a little bit because but i think honestly that had as much to do with okafor was bad yeah (laughs) yeah it just had as much to do with like okafor being uh just not a modern nba player at all um and you know that became very apparent very quickly you know, so if if he had been sort of like what people kind of thought he might be, or had the ability to adapt his game to the NBA in a way that made sense um, early on, like even though they were pinched in terms of minutes, and uh, it became obvious that you you know you can't really have three high level centers on your yeah. team, um, and you know maybe that would have hurt their market for those assets a little bit. I think they still would have been able to, to do a little bit better than they did. But, um, but yeah, I, I, in general, I just think that you, you, when you're as bad as the bulls are, um, and as, you know, lacking in high level talent as I still think that they are, um, you know, you, you take the blue chip guy and, and figure it out. Um, the figuring it out part, is, it won't be that easy, but you know, if it, if you want to play Zion at like point center or something like that, and it means that Wendell has to come off the bench or, um, or whatever, like, you know, that would stink for Wendell. And I, like I said, I'm pretty high on Wendell, but I think, you know, you could have those three as like a, um, a front court of the future. I'm also not completely convinced that Zion could given just given how athletic he is uh couldn't play small forward um the obviously the jumper is pretty pretty weird and uh you'd have to figure that part of it out um and then you know what do you do with auto etc but like um you know i don't know i would try all kinds of crazy stuff with yeah, Zion. yeah we might as well like i mean people obviously talking are excited about playoffs and all like the bulls taking a big jump i mean zion might be able to do that just because he's so talented maybe but like you're still whatever year three of a rebuild. You just lost six games. You might as well try some crazy shit. Like why not? Like yeah, if you have a like, stick, I, I would try him at I would try him at point guard. Like yeah. and just play like the normal lineup and just say, all right, Zion, uh, you're gonna run the point and uh, <laughs> it's like you know you you'll probably make a lot of mistakes because like you haven't played that initiator role that much, um, you know at Duke. But like we're just gonna you know stretch the limits of what you can do and it doesn't really matter because we're not winning anything right now anyways. Um, and, you know, we want to like, th- that's the biggest thing, like with the, going back to the me complaining about Wendell being told not to shoot um, three pointers is it's like, just let him stretch his limits. You know, like you're not, this season is kind of a, a wash anyway. Why are you putting limits on what guys can do? Let them try to see what their, how yeah, they can that, develop their skills. To that point, like I feel like that's why the stuff about like when Boylan was like hammering home, like the we need to crawl before they can walk stuff. When when they were playing super slow, it was just like I don't I I, I don't buy it. Like instead of like actually like maybe taking advantage of their skill sets, which we saw in February when they actually started opening things up, like 
I don't, don't really understand what slowing it down and like breaking down their offense would it did for them. All they did was perform like at like historically bad offensive levels. And I feel like they were playing like they were playing slow. They were playing like scared, timid. Like that's that's you have a young team that can with athletic players and guys who can shoot. Like why are you? I don't think they really learned anything from slowing it down. They didn't start playing better until they started opening it up again. So like I feel like that goes kind of into that. Like try to take advantage of these guys' skills and not not hinder them and limit them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is like, these guys are so young and, you know, obviously they're very talented players, um, you know, given like relative to their age level, there's a reason that they're lottery picks or whatever. So like, you know, I think that jamming them into a specific um, mold and telling them you can do this, but you can't do this, this early. I, I just think it's a mistake. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I, if they got Zion, like I would, I would do any number of crazy things with him. Um, as far as like outside of Zion, I think that like, I, I like from a, um, numbers perspective, like I think that what John Morant did in his season was pretty impressive. His dunks were pretty cool, Uh, (laughs) but, uh, you know, People that watched him a lot closer than I did uh, had some concerns about the size and, uh, you know, the the ability to translate defensively, um, which obviously, you know, given the fact that, you know, he'd be sharing a backcourt with Zach Levine is uh, a bit problematic. Uh, but I think that, like, I don't know, I, I they do need a point guard and he seems like clearly the best of the bunch. So I wouldn't be super mad at that. Um, and he definitely, I think in terms of like star upside, just because of the insane like usage that he carried and, uh, still, you know, did pretty well with, I think that, you know, that's one of the things that you, you look for as much as anything, um, in, in young players is, you know, are they able to, to dominate at the, at the level that they're at? And he definitely did that. Um, so, you know, yeah, maybe he's not going to be a plus defender, but like, I don't think Trey Young is ever going to be a plus defender either. And he's a better athlete than Trey Young and has carried like a similar, um, usage rate as Trey Young. And I don't think, you know, I don't think he's quite the same level of passer as Trey Young, but he, he made some pretty insane reads, um, just from some of the plays that I saw. Uh, you know, I don't know. Again, I didn't watch him that closely. How- yeah, neither did I. What I saw in the tournament looked like really good with the passing. He shot better. Like that second game, that Florida State game, where he made like five or six like pull up threes. Like, I feel like that was that really helped him. Like, hey, this guy looks fucking great. Like he's making all these like crazy threes. Like I feel like that was probably a bit not really indicative of his qualities of a shooter. But in terms of like the vision and the passing, that stuff looked really special. And I feel like I think that kind of stuff was happening most of the season, from what I can tell. Like, I, I'm with you. I didn't watch Murray State basketball that closely this season. Yeah. And then, like, I know a lot of people, like, in draft Twitter uh, seem to like um, Jarrett Culver, Culver but, yeah. but then he, like, kind of didn't. He was bad. <laughs> he, he was pretty bad at, at the end of the at the end of the tournament. But, like, I don't know. You can't, I don't think you can get too caught up in no. those small samples of, like, one game in the tournament. I mean, it's not great. You would prefer if he played better. But um, I wouldn't like necessarily let that deter me if I if I really liked um, what I saw from him overall. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Those are kind of the names that I like. I've been looking at. I, of, I really do don't want to. I 
so I will not name names, uh, but um, I was talking to an analytics guy for one of the teams um, that I am friendly with, and uh, he um, basically said that the scouts uh, were talking – the scouts for the team were talking about uh, Cam Reddish and were – uh, using it, we're basically taking turns one upping one another in terms of how extreme they could call him a pussy. <laughs> oh, no. So yeah, so not not a huge Cam Reddish guy. Uh, don't yeah, neither am I. He was. I mean, I like I. He was so highly ranked, and like I kept like waiting for him to do anything, and he was just bad. Like his his offensive numbers were just so bad. Like he didn't even shoot that well. Like, and he probably will. I guess he might be a guy who will do better with like more spacing and maybe if he gets more chances, but like he was bad when Zion was hurt too. Like, so it's like that, I don't know how much of that can, an excuse is legitimate. Like, Oh, he was the third option. It's like, he was bad when he was the second option too. And just like his finishing around the basket was so bad. Like you said, he was just kind of soft. Like, yeah, the, someone will take him in the top ten, and I feel like I I should better not be the Bulls. I, I will <laughs> be brutal. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, I mean. I, I take that, uh, you know, opinion with, you know, w- whatever it's worth, like the, they're the scouts and those guys tend to be yeah. pretty, come in pretty hot with their, their yeah. takes about sort of players character or whatever. Um, you know, whenever you read those anonymous scout, uh, scout quotes, they're always kind of like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I was not from what I saw of, uh, reddish and like what i read about him from people that again people that watched him a lot closer than i did didn't like at all what i heard um and then like very similar with rj barrett but for different reasons barrett is like the type of player that i am like i think gets consistently way overrated and i am not really a fan of gets numbers He, he puts up big numbers that look great but just like when you look closer and some like the decision making he makes like we saw it at the end of the Michigan State loss. They had just like they, a game they lost to Gonzaga. I don't know if you saw when they put they lost to Gonzaga. Just like yeah, decision making just not not good. Just forcing stuff like poor poor shot selection. And like I know his defense, I don't think is that good. And like obviously this he is super young. Like he did put up great numbers as a freshman, but like I feel like some of just like the intangible stuff there is you really make a question. He's not a good shooter either. Like people talk about Zion like being a bad shooter. Like Barrett shot like thirty percent from three and is a bad free throw shooter. Like I know sometimes you shoot bad from three, but if you have the good free throw numbers, like that makes you feel better about like their shooting. He was bad at both. So like that's something you also worry about there with him as well. Yeah. I yeah, there's there's just nothing about Barrett's profile that that is something that is appealing to me. Like I just, th- these guys that, that are primarily scorers that, um, you know, have tunnel vision and don't seem to, you know, make guys around them better. Um, I, I really t- do not particularly care for that, uh, player type. Like, um, I don't know. I think it's, it's insane to me that, uh, that Barrett, took uh i'm looking at their sports reference page right now barrett took uh like five times or had almost five more uh shot attempts per 100 
than Zion did. And Zion's like true shooting percentage was like insanely good and Barrett's was trash. <laughs> and so it's just like um and that's even with Zion not being a very good foul shooter either. Like they're both were like mid sixties on foul shooting. Um but like I don't know. Barrett is just just not a good decision maker. Uh he you know he had like um you know a decent assist percentage but he also had the ball in his hands like all the time um and had really good players around him so you would you know his you would think that hope that he would have a better assist percentage than like 20ish percent considering how high his usage was and how good his teammates were um but no <laughs> it wasn't and just like i don't know like i watched uh, a few duke games just because because the bulls were uh, so bad and you know these three guys were so highly touted and the only one that seemed worthwhile uh, you know was Zion and I mean that's the biggest thing too is just like the thing that sucks is that um, this is like feels very much like a one player draft uh, and the Bulls only have a 12% chance of landing that one player and um, I think we talked about that I wanted to get into this a little bit but like Tanking sucks, man. Like, I don't like people were like all about like, yeah, we got to get rid of Jimmy because we can't build a title contender with him. Uh, and we got to like hit the reset button. And I am so like, I'm just, maybe I'm just getting old and or whatever, but like I'm, I'm tanking is like, feels like a young man's game because it's like, you have, feel like you have all these years ahead of you to just like, uh, and I'm not like, you know, I'm, I'm in my thirties, but like, I just, I'm sick of watching dog shit basketball, man. <laughs> it's been, t- it's only been two years, but like, you know, you know, it was, you know, it was better than this year. And even though there was like no chance that they were ever going to win a title was watching the bulls, even with the three alphas and like all the catastrophe that that was, um, like watching those guys go like whoop the shit out of the Celtics in the first two games of that series that was, that was fun. That was enjoyable. Like, and watching them win like a good chunk of their games that year. I think that, I mean, I think they were even just 500. That was way better than watching a team lose 60 games and like get blown out by 50 points multiple times. Like I think that this idea that like in the NBA, it's not worthwhile to try to like have a good, like a good team that is, you know, not necessarily a title contender. Yeah. I just think that that's dumb. Like the, the yeah, title of us has like really taken over like title, like basically like title or tank. Like I feel like it's been, it's become very pervasive around the league and among fan bases. Like, I mean, teams like if you look at the, like the Jazz, like they, like I don't know if they're where they're going to go. Like the, you look at the Grizzlies, like the grit and grind Grizzlies, like those teams were consistently good, never quite go over the top. Uh, the Raptors for a while, but and every like after every year, people are like, oh, are they going to blow it up? Are they going to blow it up? Are they going to tank? It's like well, sometimes it's just like good to be good for like even if you if you're winning fifty to fifty five games, even if you don't get to the whatever finals. Obviously, the goal is to win a title, but sometimes it's just like good to be good like for a while. I'd rather watch. Fun basketball, and even if they're whatever a second round out, a few years in a row, I think that's probably more enjoyable than hoping to bank or hoping to get super lucky through the draft and tanking multiple years. It seems like you also believe in that kind of mentality. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like I'm not you know out here saying that the that the Bulls should like be sacrificed. Like I don't you know I don't think that you chase the playoffs 
you know, just just to chase them or like sacrifice the future, uh, you know, a ton of future assets yeah. to do it. Like there's ways to like Houston, you know, built a team uh, that was consistently getting to the playoffs without sacrificing any like future assets and built up their coffers with like late first round draft picks uh, because Daryl Morey is really good at his job. And like you, there are ways to build from the middle and still have a competitive team. Um, it, you know, it's difficult, but you know, that's the job is to, to do a very difficult thing. Uh, and I just think that it's like such a cop out and it's, it's honestly like, it, it's like all these, uh, general managers have have successfully like l- leaked it out to the media and like ma- like base it feels like they've like hypnotized fans into like buying into this idea that like you know losing a shitload of games is actually good and it's not man like it sucks and it's you know the bulls had one like jimmy butler the last year that the bulls had him uh was a top 10 player in the league and if he they was. and if they you know had put in you know maybe they were right to to anticipate that he would fall off but i don't actually think that jimmy's like that markedly worse this year um i think that he he's just his public perception has taken a huge hit obviously yeah. i mean last year he took the timberwolves to the playoffs basically yeah. and they hadn't been there and the timberwolves were awful this season like yeah. obviously they had the whole mess with him to start the year and that's on him like he has his he does have his personality issues and like i understand if the bulls didn't want to deal with that that's fine but like in general i feel like he's definitely not that much worse like his numbers are definitely lower with the sixers but that's part of just like fitting in with the yeah, team his role is different there like yeah, he just doesn't have the ball as much yeah. but like I, I was you know a huge believer and i still believe this that if the bulls had just like kept jimmy kept nikola Mirotic, and uh you know put shooters around jimmy including uh nico that like you know, you could find guys that can shoot. Um, and, you know, whenever, like, I I used to, uh, I mean, I think I've deleted a bunch of my tweets since then, but um, I had, you know, put out some stuff. And then I think Stefan, Stefan No over at The Athletic had actually written something about, like, the Jimmy with shooters um, phenomenon. Uh, and basically, if you put, like, even two shooters on the floor with Jimmy, it didn't matter which shooters it was. The Bulls, like, net rating was insane every time that was the case. And it was yeah, just, I think like... Yeah, it was something like, like him. Like, it was playing with, like, him and even, like, Doug, who sucks. Like, him, Doug, and, like, Nico. And, like, yeah. pretty sure they had, like, really good offensive ratings and pretty good net ratings overall. Yeah, and that was, like, my whole thing was, like, just, you know, give the ball to Jimmy you know, get a, 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 uh, a Patrick Beverly type. It didn't have to be Patrick Beverly, but just a point guard that is good at shooting threes and can, you know, hold his own on defense. Uh, Beverly does more than holding his own, but like that doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands. Uh, and, you know, then, you know, we had Doug, we didn't have to get rid of him. Like I was never a huge Doug fan, but he was his one useful skill set was shooting threes. We had Tony Snell, who also was like a solid defensive player, didn't really do much else besides play solid defense and shoot threes. But like he shot threes. And, you know, when you put those, you put enough of those guys on a roster, like, you know, if you have a guy that can get into the paint consistently uh, and, and spray the ball out to shooters, you know, you're going to have a good offense and like, you're going to win more of your games than you lose. And like, 
I think that the the Bulls easily could have built a consistent, you know, high 40s, low 50s win team with, with Jimmy as a centerpiece. And they just were lazy. Like, they were just like, ah, oh, we can't do it. Ah, oh, he's difficult to deal with. Ah, uh, let's just, you know, blow it up. And it's like, that's such a cop-out. And they could do it because they have ultimate job security. Jerry Reinsworth's never going to fire them. Um, and, you know, fans deserve better than that. And, like, I think that fans falling into this, like, you know – tanking is good or like oh jimmy butler can't be uh the best player on a championship team it's like so what he can be the best player on a on a second round out and like guess what making it to the playoffs and winning a first round series that shit is fun like ask portland if they would rather be uh, uh the bulls right now like they just beat the shit out of the thunder and it ruled it was awesome and there's no way that they would trade that in at like the whatever uh, 12% chance that we have to get Zion and maybe turn this garbage uh, heap around. Like there's no way they just wouldn't do it. And like Dame Lillard is a great player. I don't know that he's like way, way, way better than Jimmy Butler. Like he has was better than Jimmy this year, but you know, just an overall. I mean, let, you mentioned the Blazers. I mean, they're a team that just like they got swept out of the playoffs last year, and everyone was talking about them blowing it up last year. Now they're back, and they have a great chance at the Western Conference Finals. And if maybe something goes right, maybe I mean they're probably not going to go to the finals, but like they stuck together, and Dame got better. Uh, obviously, just completely outplayed Russell. That's definitely a good point. The Blazers are another one of those teams where, like, instead of blowing it up, they believed in their guys they believed in dame and now they're in the second round and they have a chance to go to the western conference finals yeah i mean that's the thing too that's just so frustrating is like the because the bulls management has like ultimate job security like they could have uh tried to build around jimmy and like even if it didn't like ultimately result in you know any of these like uh deep playoff runs or whatever it's not like it was gonna like kill them but they could have like put out believed in believed in their own ability to uh to build a team and like ricky has talked about this all the time a bunch of times that like they just had no confidence in their own ability to like build a team and they were just like well this is getting too difficult let's hit the reset button and that way all the expectations will be off and uh we won't have to worry about anything because we're not going to get fired and now we don't even have to try because like not trying is part of you know, part of the deal with a tank. And it's just like, that, that's such bullshit, man. Like, fucking do your job. You're clearly not a big fan of uh, the front office, like most most of us here. And I mean, they've been around for so long. It was kind of crazy. I was We were talking about this earlier. The, the, what we were watching the, or I was watching the SB Nation did a thing about the breakup of the, bull, of the Dynasty Bulls. And they kind of just did the few years after. And then they talked about, and then John Paxson takes over in 2003. And like when they started bringing the baby bulls back, it's like John Paxson has been running this front office since 2003. Like it's absolutely insane. Just the job security that they have. And like, obviously that also goes to ownership and the Ryan's they have super loyal and all that, all that stuff. Like I just, I, I and I, I mentioned this on the last, last, I think it was the last pod where it's like, I'm kind of, I'm hoping that they do like and Paxson was kind of talk a big game about them taking a big step. Like I'm hoping maybe that the the fact that they're talking a big game about like maybe going to the playoffs next year that maybe they'll actually lead to some accountability, but that's probably just me wishful thinking. Because if they actually do fail next year, like they should be fired. Like maybe somebody will actually be fired for once, but that's probably wishful thinking, right? Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, the, this idea that they're going to make the playoffs next year is is a joke to me. Anybody, anybody listening to this podcast, <laughs> if if you first person to reach out to me on Twitter, I will bet you a hundred dollars that the Bulls will not make the playoffs next year. There is no way. It is not happening. They won twenty two games this year. They need to. They would need to win. It's like twenty more games. They yeah, have to, they would like, need almost to almost double their win total. Yeah, they would need to almost double their win total. There is no way it is not happening. Even if they get Zion, Zion is going to be a rookie. Like, he, there's, it's just not going to happen. Like they, they are so far away from being a good team. They have no depth. Like they have three like interesting prospects on the team. And then just a whole like stack of shit. Like it's it's a bad team. It's a really bad roster. There's a reason they can't absorb any injuries. They are probably going to spend all their cap space on like one point guard, and and then they're just going to have a bunch of like just a bunch more crap. And it there's no way. There is no way. Uh, like I said, anybody. The the I'm not going to bet every single person that that comes, but if. The first person that gets to me, I will bet anybody a hundred dollars that they do not make the playoffs next year because they, the roster is dog shit. You heard it here first. <laughs> At NBA Couchside, reach out to them. Hundred hundred dollar bet. Uh, I guess to finish up here, then like just looking forward to this offseason free agency. Uh, is there anything you would like to see them do? They they're gonna have what like twenty million uh, cap space. Like obviously we talked about, they need they could really use a point guard. They could use depth. Uh, is it, are there any moves you'd really like to see them make? Um, I mean, he's, he's older than I would like for them to bring on, but like people have talked about bringing Patrick Beverly home to Chicago. I think that I would enjoy that just because like, I think Patrick Beverly rules and like, I just like that he pisses off all the other stars. We know Jimbo would like him. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I think the, the, uh, the synergy of, uh, Patrick Beverly's, uh, um, bulldog mentality with uh, Jim Boylan's road dog mentality. Um, you know, it would it, that'd be just a lot of dog mentality, and I think the Bulls could use that. Um, and I, I also just like, you know, I think just even from like an on court fit, I think he'd be helpful um, because uh, he can shoot and he plays really aggressive, tough defense. And um, the bull, the Bulls need two way players. Yeah, basically. I mean, if they can't get him, I would, you know, I, I like Ricky Rubio. I think Rubio is a little bit more um, dynamic offensively in terms of like setting up, not in a scoring perspective. He's obviously a terrible shooter. He airballed a go ahead three pointer tonight <laughs> in a go home game. That that wasn't great. But like he is a very good facilitator. He's a good defensive player. Um you know, and uh, he would up the uh, up the handsomeness quotient on the Bulls. So, <laughs> not that the the Bulls are a bad looking team. I think that they're uh, you know they they've got some some handsome fellows on the team. But uh, Ricky Rubio, notoriously handsome Spanish man. So, <laughs> fine beard. Yeah, fine. yeah. I, I you know the the Spanish Jesus look. Uh, I think it, yeah. it it works pretty well for Ricky. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, that I, those are the two guys that I think that I. I would look at. I mean, I I saw the rumor about them potentially trading for uh, Drew Holiday. I just don't know what they would offer. I mean, I think right. like unless they're offering like their own pick this year. Like if it's a non if it's a non number one pick, like if it's a top four or five pick, but not Zion. You know, 
I guess I could see that. Uh, they'd probably have to include some extra salary to make that work. Um, but I don't know. Like, Drew Holiday makes a lot of money, um, and it probably that would I would lose my hundred dollar bet because I think Drew Holiday. Yeah, is, I, like, I love the I love the idea of it. Just like in general, like on paper, like I feel like Drew would be like an, a very nice fit on this team with what they need in terms of. Like he's a he's a good two to mention two way player good two way player he's yeah he's a dog like he'd be he can play on and off the ball with Zach like I feel like that'd be great but like you mentioned he's making he's got like almost eighty million on three years left on his deal I know the last year's like a player option I think and what and like you said what do you trade for him like I feel like the Bulls would not want it even if their pick like stays at four I feel like that even trading that for that seems like trying to take shortcuts. Like, I feel like, I don't know if they'd really want to do that. And it seems like the Pelicans really, I, they might be bluffing right now. Like they're going to trade David, David Griffin's talking a big game about how they're going to keep, try to keep Davis and how Drew's like a building block. Maybe that's all bluffing. They're obviously going to trade Davis. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they tr- keep holiday. I mean, I don't know if they're going to want to go full blown rebuild in new Orleans. Like they might want to keep holiday around and try to build around him. So I'm not even sure if he's going to be available. Like I feel like if they're going to trade him, they're not going to trade him for cheap. So I feel like it might be just tough to find common ground on a deal there with where both teams are at this point. Yeah, I mean that, and that also just goes to the the Bulls not having like a a, a huge uh, coffer of assets to really yeah. dive into to to make those kinds of moves, um, which that you know circling back to what we were talking about at the very start of things is like that's the difference between what the bulls are doing and the process like they haven't accumulated all these assets really they have three guys that i you know i feel pretty good about um i don't think any of them is a is a sure thing uh and then you know a possibly good uh draft pick in a not great draft this year and then a whole lot of eh. so like you know there's just not a whole lot that you can get there i say if they did if they did trade their pick and like i don't know felicio's contract and plus their uh uh, like the rest of it going into cap space they traded drew for you know that or something i don't even know if that works i'd have to plug it into the trade machine but if they did something like that then yeah i would lose my bet they would probably make the playoffs because drew is that good um and the you know the bottom of the east is you know still pretty bad but um uh but you know i i don't know even then though like they'd still only be adding one very good player and uh their depth would still be awful so i don't know it would still be dicey i think even then for them to to make the playoffs um so yeah, I don't know. There's there's not a lot that they can really do. I don't. It's not like a particularly great free agent class. And who wants to come sign with the Bulls for uh, to you know play with a team that just won 22 games? Right. Exactly. Like I feel like they're probably going to go out. I would guess they'll they'll obviously try to get a point guard. They'll probably try to add a few just veteran guys, fill out the roster. I certainly don't expect any big moves. Like oh, I've, I've talked about like Malcolm Brogdon as an option, but I feel like they'd have to use their whole cap space for that and. Yeah, I don't even know if you want to keep him, and I don't know if you—that's a guy you really want to overpay. Even, I like the fit there as well, but like, are you going to pay Malcolm Brogdon twenty million a year? Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, giving—I like Brogdon as a player. I don't know that I want to be paying him the same amount that they're paying Zach Levine. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
but uh, the, the I will say one thing that I don't want them to do is I do not want them to bring back Derrick Rose. I have oh, yeah. I, I've <laughs> seen what seems like them bringing the or laying the groundwork, bringing the groundwork yeah. to bring Derrick Rose back, and no, just no, do not do it. It's it's a bad idea for uh, basketball reasons. It's a bad idea for ethical reasons. It's just no, stay away from it. It's a terrible idea. If they do that, I will be insanely mad. Um, and probably, I don't know, just yell about it on Twitter. Cause that's, I just, that's what I do. I just yell into yeah. the void. Ricky and I both agree with that. It just doesn't make sense. Like you said, on multiple levels, like, but when even setting, I, I don't want to set aside like the ethical stuff, the rape stuff, with all that stuff. But it's like the bass in terms of basketball, like he still gets hurt. I mean, he, he had another surgery. Like he only played like fifty some games. Like, and he like he was bolstered this year, like a huge, like huge hot start with his three point shooting, and then it completely fell off the table. Like he's, I mean, he's still like fine, but like just the the Bulls have to move on. Like, I mean, if they want to bring him back, like at the end of his career or something, and do like a whatever something like that down the road, like whatever. I feel like just right now in a rebuild, it just makes no sense. Like you said, on multiple levels, uh, on and off the court, I'm totally with you on that. So yeah, as long as if they avoid that, you know, I don't, I don't think they have a lot of great options this off season, but if they can just avoid doing that, I, I, given where, where I'm at with this front office, I will count that as a win. <laughs> um, but uh, like if, if they're going to do the, the, you know, Chicago, like they're reprising the bring a Chicago guy to the bulls. Azure Joe, man. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Thomas or, or, Joe or, or Patrick Chicago Beverly. Guy. Yeah. yeah as a Chicago guy. There, there you go. Yeah. If they, if they, if they've got to have a, a local boy comes home uh, story, please, please just, make it Beverly and, and yeah. not D Rose. Rose yeah. I'm with you. I feel like Beverly would be, I feel like they could really use somebody with Beverly's edge, but again, like and the Clippers will not want to give him up. I feel like that's a guy you're also going to have to like overpay. If you're going to get, take him away from the Clippers who are leading the Warriors at halftime, they just dumped 71 points on them at halftime. We'll, we'll see how that second half goes, but that's, yeah. Clippers are a really interesting team. Just super, super fun. Great story this year. Good for them. It's, I feel like it's going to be hard to get Beverly away from them unless but you really throw out a ton of cash. Another team that has built through the middle and has not tanked. Yeah. Uh, th- there are plenty of examples of this being a thing and, um, you know, smart teams do it. And I don't like, I think that fans, fans really just, just demand more from their, their franchise. I mean, I think, some fans are starting to feel that way with the Bulls because, like, you actually started to see attendance um, suffer this year uh, in a way that I don't think it had in the past. Um, yeah. And, like, season ticket renewals, of, I think that's been an, an issue. I've seen uh, uh, Matt from Blogger oh, talk, yeah. talking about that. Um, basically, the, the organization trying to – threatens not quite the right word, but uh, – entice people into uh, re-upping their season tickets by m- suggesting that maybe they won't be available later, <laughs> uh, you know, regardless of whether or not they've already been sold off to somebody else. Like, you better lock in now or else, you know, you're out of here, which, I don't know, w- weird strategy, but... Bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. The, they're, they're, they're just such a mess, man. Like, it's this team. 
I, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic. I, I tried to be optimistic coming into this season. I'm going to talk myself into them being like, okay. I, I'm not definitely not playoff team, but like, talk myself into them being okay next season, especially depending on what happens this summer. Maybe they'll actually surprise us for once and be somewhat enjoyable. Because like, I feel like just the last like four or five just have just been not been enjoyable at all. Like, I just want to enjoy watching my favorite basketball team again. Damn it, it's been. It's been tough lately. Yeah, I mean, like I think we were all we all kind of like laughed at them and like we're like, oh, the the three alpha season. I think everybody was pretty annoyed with them because just that off season was uh, just real dumb. Uh, everybody could see it coming that the you know Wade and uh, Rondo and Jimmy weren't going to be like a great fit on the court together. Uh, and they tried to sell it. Um, but even that season, like by comparison was a lot more fun than this shit. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, at, least, at least Jimmy like became a legitimate top player. Like they did have those fun playoff games until it went to shit. But like, yeah, I don't know. But, and even like going back, I feel like I've, I've said this before. I think the last like bowl season I actually like enjoyed was, or like really enjoyed was, I think Noah's defensive player of the year the year when he was like the MVP candidate. And that was what, 2013, 14 was like the, the Tibbs's last year was kind of miserable because it was all the drama. And there were some fun moments there, obviously as well, like D Rose hitting the three against the Cavs and they were close to upsetting them, but then they got their ass beat in the lap. But there was so much crap going on that year too. Like the last, like the last, that 2013, 2014 year when Joe like broke out and they were all hurt and he basically dragged them to the playoffs. That was like the last time I've like really enjoyed watching the Bulls. And that's, it's like half a decade ago. Like I'm, I'm sick of this shit, man. I just want to have fun watching them again. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, we're, we're, I'm in the same place. It's. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, let's. We should probably wrap it up now. We've been going for about an hour. Too bad Ricky uh, bailed on us. His horrible <laughs> internet. His poor guy bailed on us after like five. He got us our intro and then had to leave. But uh, yeah. uh, Kevin, thank you so much for for joining us today. It's. So really appreciate that. We'll definitely have you on again in the future, hopefully with Ricky on board, <laughs> on board next time. Hopefully uh, Ricky's ISP that I will not name in case they sponsor something down the line. Uh, th- hopefully they get their, their act together the next time we, we try to do this. Seriously, yeah. So uh, you can follow Kevin again at NBA Couchside. Um, and – Always, as always, shout out to Blue Wire Pods for uh, hosting Cash Considerations. Uh, and you can always also listen to our playoff pods, Blue Wire Buckets. I was just on the last one after Damian Lillard's crazy three-pointer. That was a lot of fun talking about that and all the other playoff series. So definitely check out that, Blue Wire Buckets. Follow Blue, Blue Wire Pods uh, at Blue Wire Pods, just the podcast network. There's tons of good, tons of good NBA pods. There's football pods. Tons of good ones. So that is Cash Considerations. This was Jason. Kevin, thank you very much again, and take it easy, man. Thanks, man.